Have you ever felt lost? Paralyzed by the twists and turns, the decisions and deadlines ahead of you? Have you paused before making a big decision, prayed that the correct path, the wise path, would be easy to see? If you've ever chosen the wrong path, you probably still live with regret after seeing where you ended up. There's a different way, a straighter path, but it's not found in our own understanding. Let the wise listen. Let the lost receive guidance. The wisdom of God is available to all. Are you listening? I don't know about you, but it's already been a good morning in the house of God. Would you agree? It's just a blessing that we get to serve, we get to worship a God who is not in the grave, it's a God that hasn't been created by man's hands, but a God who has created mankind in his image. And we get the opportunity to receive from him. He didn't just put us on this earth and then didn't give us guidance then on how to live while here on this earth. He gave us his word and he gave us his spirit to coach us along the way uh, so that we can know how to live. And uh, over the last few days, I've been enjoying uh, some time up in northern part of the state. And it occurred to me last night, it's getting dark early again. Uh, so that means uh, that our summer days are coming to an end. However, the most beautiful season in Pennsylvania is the fall. Uh, when our fireworks are our trees here, it's just beautiful, and that season is coming, and so we receive it as part of the Lord's uh, regular cycle of how he does work here on this earth. For those of you that are new, uh, my name is Tony, I'm pastor here at LAFC, and we have, for the last half of the summer, been going through some Proverbs, and each communicator, as they've Folk were speaking from Proverbs that mean something to them, and this one's no different. Uh, Proverbs 19.21's already been read. Uh, it means a lot to me. I'm going to ask you to turn uh, to Proverbs chapter 19. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, our ushers would be glad to provide you one. Or if you have what is called the version, Y-O-U, version Bible app, uh, you can go onto that app, go into the events tab, and you'll find LEFC on there. And if you tap on that, you'll get all the scriptures we're using and part of the outline uh, for this message. And so uh, feel free to join along because we're gonna be teaching from the text uh, from there and also Romans chapter 12. So if you wanna kind of have a finger into Romans 12, it's later in your scriptures, uh, we'll be there as well. Uh, as you're kind of preparing your heart and mind to kind of come into this, uh, you're gonna know that this passage that we're gonna look at today is about planning. And, and one of the things that, that for those who work around me, who, those who live in my household, they know that I'm a planner, I'm a strategic planner. And there is nothing that I encounter in life that I haven't had some forethought on how I wanna attack that moment or that part of the day. And it really comes, uh, becomes obvious when you go with me to a grocery store. My immediate uh, instinct is to come into the store and to have an attack plan, an action plan by how I'm going to go after that grocery store in such a way that I can get everything that's on my list without ever doubling backwards. 
because it's a high value for me to, to be efficient and to be thorough. And I do not like, I consider it failure if I get to the final section, which is usually uh, the dairy products and the frozen food, and realize that the produce, there was something I forgot, which is on the farthest end of the store. Doesn't matter which grocery store you go to, that's the case. And so I feel like failure that I have to go back and get it. Well, when I was a youth pastor, I had an opportunity. Uh, I heard on the radio that there was a, that if you were a youth pastor, you could call in and the, free, the first three youth pastors who call in will be given an opportunity to compete at a grocery store and the winning youth pastor will get uh, some resources uh, donated back to their youth mission fund. And I thought, this is perfect. I love missions and I know how to go after a grocery store. So I thought, this is perfect for me. So I called in immediately. I got to be one of the three. And so I found out, you know, it was about two weeks in advance. And uh, so I found out what grocery store we were gonna shop in. I did, and, and I'm living in Cumberland County on the West Shore. And this grocery store was gonna be in Lancaster County. So I came over here, I did a preview, if you will, of the grocery store, learning that particular store. They didn't give us the rules of the competition, I just knew I needed to know the store. So competition comes, I have, you know, we have a large youth ministry at that time, and, and so uh, we ended up having like 40 of our students that came to watch this, and so all the crowd is at the cashier area, and then they cleared the entire store for this event, and so I'm looking, and I have a youth pastor on each side of me, and I'm looking at them saying, I got this, I'm the most athletic one of the three. So whatever, whatever the rules are, I feel confident that I'm going to win. And so they tell us, okay, the object is to finish the time with the most value in the cart. So in other words, the highest price tag. So every cart will come at the end and will go through the cashier and they will add it up and whoever's the highest value at the end will win. And I was like, this is awesome. I know what's expensive. I know this store now because I've looked and, I, and, I, and I've got this. Because again, that's needless information to know the prices of things, but I have it in my head. A lot of needless information in my head. And that might not be good for you to hear if this is the first time you've heard me preach. But anyway, so the other thing that they gave, the last rule was you had to have one item from each aisle. And I'm like, okay, little twist. Still can do it, all right? Because again, expensive items, something from each aisle, and then five minutes to do it in. I'm like, whew, all right, here we go. So I'm feeling good about this. They sound the horn, we're off, we're going through. And I am, I am getting, I know I'm, I'm being very efficient. I am flying down and back each aisle and I am getting all these expensive items and I'm feeling really good. I found this fish that was, this big slab of fish that was worth a lot of money. And, and then so then I'm coming up the other aisles and then the horn blows and I still had two aisles left. I'm like, how is that possible? If I couldn't finish it, in that amount of time. The other two certainly couldn't. So I made my way to the cashiers and I see the two of them standing there. And they said, well, two of the three met the terms. And I was the third who didn't. I'm like, what's going on? How did this, 
what I found out is that their values were not just efficiency and thoroughness. It was also speed in the sense of efficiency of how to use that speed. They stayed at one end of every aisle and just simply went in by a few feet into every aisle and I had been going down and back. So as fast as I was trying to go, it still didn't make up for the amount of efficiency that they had. My value system lost it for my youth group. Now, I was expecting to get my youth group to show me some condolences. But let me say, they were far short in their growth as children of God. I received no encouragement from them whatsoever. They saw me as a failure, and I was taking them to ice cream afterwards, and I was ruthlessly hammered by them. What were you thinking to do all that laughs and so on? And it was, I literally had the, the cone of shame on my head, practically. But, uh, but I learned something in this. It's like, as good as my values are, I was missing a couple of key things to guide my planning. And as a result, didn't do so well. You know, one of the things that this verse is going to say today is that there are many plans that we are making on a daily basis. Just when you woke up this morning, plans were being made. Some of you, your plans were, let's get through the service so that we can get to the lunch and the dinner. And, and so it's figuring out how you can stay awake while I'm preaching. And that was part of your planning. It, it happens. I was a kid. I did that. I made those kind of plans. I figured if I can just read five hymns during the message, I might be able to get through the sermon uh, that the pastor is preaching. I remember doing that as a kid. So we're making plans throughout, even right now, this day. What you're doing this afternoon, what you're doing tonight, what you're doing tomorrow, what lies in this week, what lies in two weeks. Those things are constant, and we're making plans to meet those things, and I will say this, every plan you make, whether large or small, of value or no value at all, there are values driving it. There are. What's important to you, what you value most, guides your planning, every bit of it. Nothing's outside of what is important to you because you will make decisions to that end. So if your values are about career planning and success in the career, you're gonna make a lot of decisions based on that at the cost of other things because that's what drives you. If happiness is your greatest value, that's going to drive things you do. If fun is your greatest value, then you're gonna be one of the most non-committal people in the room because somebody's gonna invite you to do something and you're gonna be like, yeah, I might do that, but you're waiting to see what comes along and then you'll decide what's most fun in the end, which is what drives me nuts sometimes when I invite people and they're kind of non-committal and then they say yes at the end and it's like, okay, so nothing better came along. And that's, I mean, you, know, you feel me? We, we've all experienced that, right? So plans are driven by values, both good and bad, important, not so important. Like, I mean, think about it. If you wanna buy a house someday, you're, that value or that to have and own a home is gonna guide your plans now. You're gonna have to save. You're gonna wanna do things to build your credit. You're gonna wanna also think about where you wanna live, uh, where you wanna start, and who you're going to be buying that home with, perhaps. 
Those things are part of the process. But values are always behind our plans, regardless of the level. Which brings me to Proverbs 19.21. Let's look at this again. And this might be the easiest verse for you to ever memorize. I memorized this verse in NIV 84. I read today, or I'm reading today out of NIV 2011, so a, a, new, uh, a, trans, a newer version of this. And so when I read this, I still hear some of the 84 language that's no longer there. So here we go. Many are the plans in a man's heart or in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now, very easy to memorize. Can you say it with me? Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's true. Again, we woke up this morning, many are the plans. Tonight, when you go to bed, many are the plans. And some of those plans come from the core of your being. So what it says here, our plans, many of them, come from the heart. Now, some of your translations uh, use the word mind. And the NIV 2011 that we just read uses the word heart. In the, in the Hebrew language, which this is what's written in, it is actually heart. The Hebrew terms are, is heart. And about half of the very uh, solid translations will use mind. So what would be the appropriate way to look at this? Well, the reason why some of the modern translations have used mind is because what this is referring to is a lot of the reasoning and the planning. It tends to be more of a mental side. And so they were using that, whereas in the Hebrew, it would include that but it would also come to a deeper core. So it probably, it's, it's fair to say mind, but I would say it's even better to use heart uh, because that, that is what the Hebrew poetic language uh, uses. And what it's saying is that some of our plans, some of our plans are very heart-driven, the core and essence of who you are. And again, every plan comes from values. Some of those values we will fight for. Some of those values are deeply entrenched in us. And so many are the plans in a person's heart. Many of the plans we make come from the core of our being. And what I love about how Solomon writes this verse is that he provides this very important conjunction, the word but there. When I think about important words in all of Scripture, there is another time when the conjunction but is used in scripture that I think is the most important word in all of scripture. And it is this, for the wages of sin is death, but. Right, for the, for the wages of sin is death. That's what I've earned. I, I am dead as I'm standing, like I have sinned, Many times and often. And that has earned me death. However, conjunction, but. That's not the end of the story. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So important, right? That that's not the end. It doesn't just end there, period. No, it provides a comma because there's another part of this that you need to know. There is a but to this that is important to understanding. God has changed the narrative. He has changed the narrative. There is a gift that actually provides life, not death. And that comes through Jesus Christ. In the same way, what Solomon is saying here in his wisdom to us is that there are many plants that come out of us. And some of those plans vary deeply from out of the plans of the heart where our values are, are at the core of our being. However, or but, there is a reality that is ongoing and that is God's plans and that is God's purposes and that is God's will. And his purposes, his plans, they will prevail which provides some important thoughts here. It means that many of our plans that you and I make are not so certain, are they? I mean, has anybody here in this room batted a thousand in planning where everything succeeds according to plan? No. Now, I ask you, for those of you that would say, I've walked with God for a good portion of my life, can any of you say, I have seen some of God's plans fail? Mm -mm. Can't do that either, right? So we're talking about two very contrasting realities. And that is this, human plans are uncertain. God's plans are always certain. Human plans are uncertain. God's plans are always certain. So if planning is something God does and planning is something we do, then clearly planning is something that is a design of God. So we get this from God. That's what makes us unique in all of creation, our ability to reason, our ability to think and plan. That's part of our God design. But it's also true that as fallen creatures who do not have foreknowledge, we don't have the ability to see into the future, we don't know all things that are going on even in the present, and we certainly don't know everything that has happened in the past, although we can see more in hindsight, but none of that leads us to certainty in our plans. Yet, all of us are making thousands of plans every day, and we often are hurt, discouraged, and feel like failures when those plans don't succeed. But yet we're hearing from Solomon, yet God is different. He makes plans and they prevail. They succeed. And that's good, right? So why is this verse so important to me? Why has this been one of the most Often quoted verses in my mind when I'm going through the motion. Yes, I've already said to you, I'm a strategic thinker, I'm a planner. And so, and I've regularly, quite frankly, seen many of my plans not go so well. And then I remember this verse. Many of the plans that are in a person's heart. But it is God's purpose that prevails. It's a reminder of something greater than me. But where this verse first came into my 
my purview, when it first became part of my radar that I need to apply this on a regular basis, was back in the year of 1994 when I got engaged for the first time. That engagement was to a, a young woman that was teaching here in Lancaster County. I had met her when I was visiting my parents who had recently moved to Pennsylvania. Met her, discovered that she loved Jesus. We connected, we began to write because we didn't have texting. We didn't even email at that time, so we wrote letters that went by, a, by mail. You put a stamp in the upper right corner. I'm saying this for those who have never done it. <laughs> and then inside, there's a stationery where we write nice things. We don't just post social media posts that are sound bites. We actually complete thoughts. And by the way, we used cursive, which would need translation today for many of our younger people. Having said that, that relationship was going very well and it caused me, when I, when I proposed to be married, I was confident this is what God would have me to do. We were aligned in heart. We both loved Jesus. We both loved teenagers. He was teaching in secondary education. I, it felt like a match made in heaven. So I proposed and I resigned from the church that I was working at in the Kansas City area. So I moved to Pennsylvania. And I was applying at various churches. I hadn't landed a job yet. By faith, I made the move. And then she went to a conference here at a local church. It was a missions conference, and while at that missions conference, she felt called of God to go to Africa. And I did not resonate with that vision, and I was starting to feel like, as we were talking, I was like, oh my goodness. Her calling and my calling are two different directions. And I really wrestled deeply, and I, and I began to feel as like, wow. This is not supposed to be. And then I was wrestling with, oh my goodness, I have made a lot of decisions based on this relationship. Our engagement broke off. It was a very tearful, tear-filled night for both of us. As we, she handed me back the ring and I had to begin to call all my groomsmen from the Kansas City area and tell them that there is not a wedding when they had already purchased tickets. Back then, it was not easy to get their money back. And they weren't wealthy young men, and so it was embarrassing. It was not the first relationship for me that they had watched fail. So there was a lot going on, but this was different. I had felt like I had aligned everything with God, and it had fallen apart by calling, which then led me to asking some pretty big questions. Is God mad at me? Did I hear God wrong? And as you ask those kind of questions, it goes even deeper, and you begin to think such things like, did I miss my calling? Am I not even supposed to be in ministry, in my case? because I'd made a lot of decisions based on this potential union with me and her. I was very disillusioned. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, 
but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I realized that there was another reality that I needed to come to grips with, and I give this reality to you. And there are three realities that I discern from the single verse, and it's this. Number one, God is sovereign. He is in control. It's a reality that I don't always understand, especially with all that's going on on this earth that is breaking of your heart, like you see all the evil and suffering that goes on, and, and yet there is a God, the God, who is sovereign and in control. Secondly, his way of doing things are certain. I've already told you that human planning is uncertain. God's planning is certain. And so when I was in this lowest of lows, I had to come to grips with that reality that his way is certain. My plans were uncertain and I was feeling the uncertainty of my plans because months of planning, because this was only two months before our wedding day, months of planning all of a sudden gone. And I had also moved because of that plan. God's ways are certain. And thirdly, God's ways are better. I didn't feel it in that moment. In fact, I was crushed. I didn't feel like this was better. I felt like an absolute failure. How is it possible that his way is going to prevail? And I would say that it intuitively tells you if his way prevails, it's going to be better. He's not gonna choose a lesser plan. He's gonna choose a better plan. Around this season of life, there was a song that tells my story well, and it was written by a very prophetic song writer and worship leader named Garth Brooks. <laughs> Tongue in cheek, I hope you understand. The song is called Unanswered Prayers, and I would like to read it to you. Again, this came out in a very similar time frame of what was going on in my life. Just the other night at a hometown football game, my wife and I ran into an old high school flame. And as I introduced them, the past came back to me. And I couldn't help but think of the way things used to be. She was the one I had wanted for all times. And each night I had spent praying that God would make her mine. And if he'd only grant me this wish, I wished back then I'd never ask for anything again. Been there, right? God, if you give this to me, I promise, I'll never ask for anything else from you again. I've probably done that three or four times in my life. Sometimes, going back to the song, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, and just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he doesn't care, because some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. She wasn't quite the angel I'd remembered in my dreams. And I could tell that time had changed me in her eyes too, it seemed. We tried to talk about old days. There wasn't much we could recall. I guess the Lord knows what he's doing after all. And as she walked away, well, I looked at my wife. And then and there I thanked the good Lord for the gifts in my life. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs and just because he may not answer doesn't mean he doesn't care because some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Yeah. 
when I think, if God had answered my prayers as I had prayed them in 1994, what would be lost? I would have never made it to Hershey. I would have therefore never met my wife. Therefore, I would not have ever had my two children, Kira and Caden. I also would not be looking forward to an anniversary for my wife and I this next June 1st, on which my son and his now fiance are also getting married. That is an announcement. Yes, thank you. But I also would not be here right now giving you an opportunity to hear a verse that can be so foundational to your daily planning. I look back and I can say, as much as I can't understand how God's ways always are, but I know that I know that it was God's will that I met that young woman and that I engaged myself to her. And I know that I know that it was part of God's plan that that engagement would cause me to come east and that part of that engagement would lead to heartache, which then would prepare me for the relationship I would get to serve with for the rest of my life. I am forever grateful for quite a few unanswered prayers because the Lord knows what he's doing. Isn't it true that when we pray to God, we're praying, he says even, bring all that your requests to him. Cast all your anxieties and care upon him. He wants us to request and to ask. But do we want him then to forego his foreknowledge and his wisdom and answer our prayers exactly as we have prayed them? Do you realize what we're saying? That if we pray to God saying, all right, this is what I want, and please let go of all your supernatural abilities and answer my prayer. No, what we want is God using all his foreknowledge, God using all he knows about how things are going to play out and will be best for your life. We wanted to employ that, even if it means not answering the prayers as we have prayed them. And sometimes those prayers we are praying are very near and dear to our heart. We're praying for people that we love. We're praying for things that matter much, only to see it go a different direction. But let me remind you of the realities. God is in control. God's ways are certain, and God's ways are better. But sometimes when we're in the midst of these failed plans, like I was back then, you still wanna have some level of framework by which you can make decisions that will help you avoid making unnecessary, painful decisions that can harm. And so where do we go to find principles for making decisions and plans based on God's plans and purposes? So that's where I want to take us to Romans chapter 12. So going right in your scripture, you find Acts, keep going right. 
Romans chapter 12, first two verses, very commonly known passage of scripture, says this, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy. So we're all objects of mercy. He's urging us that because we've received God's mercy to then offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God as this is our true and proper worship. So our lives are to be led out in such a way where they are worshiping of God. So that's why it was said earlier by Ross, even our giving is part of our worship because money can have an attachment to our heart. Our worship is also in our song. Our worship is also in how we lead out our lives every day. And our worship is in how we plan. So as we do this, he's, we are being urged to be living as a sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, as this is true and proper worship. So how do we do that? Verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so it begins with this charge of do not conform. So there is a natural default that each of us has. So none of us were born sinless like Jesus, all right? So otherwise, there would be scripture written about you and I, all right? So here we have it. We're all born with a sinful nature and therefore a natural predisposition towards following the world's patterns, okay? So what is being said here by the Apostle Paul to us is that the way we can best worship God is by living a life that is pleasing to God and lived according to his will. And the way we can live according to his will is by not forming ourselves to the patterns of this world, which is our default. So the patterns of this world would be pursuing of happiness. It's all about what makes you happy. Leave all the principles that God might employ. If you're happy, that's what matters most. That's what the world says. Also, the world will often say, don't have to do it the hard way. The easy path still works. Personal gain, what do you get out of it? Again, it's what commonly the world says. It's what you get out of it. How do you gain personally? And one of my uh, favorites is the fun factor. If it's not fun, why do it, right? Those are the worldly values. And if, if that's what you base all your planning towards, and that's what you base how you wanna engage God over it, you're gonna fail. Because you need to form to new patterns, which the values of the new patterns would be God's values. And this is what he, where he's at. He wants the glory to go to the creator of all things. He gets the glory, not us. And by the, our benefit, it glorifies him because he's the author and perfecter of our faith. And on top of that, when we do things God's way, it's not about personal gain, it's about mutual benefit. We all gain when we do things God's way because we grow in more like him, we point to him, he gets the glory, which then helps others do the same. And so then they benefit. And part of God's values is the right path, even if it's the difficult path. And you usually see that God's way of doing things is it's the long term over the short term. 
After all, he looks at eternity. And lastly, God isn't a killjoy. He's the one that created fun, but the difference is, is when we do fun God's way, there are no regrets. There are no regrets. I can tell you a lot of stories that would make this room laugh that I did when I was younger. And it was fun, but I would tell you there are lots of regrets. There are other stories I could tell you I have no regrets over. And we would also laugh. And in most of those cases, I know God's laughing as well. Other times he might just be raising his eyebrow. You have no idea how I spared you in that moment. But that's the way things are different. God just has a different vision for how life is to be versus how the world says life should be. So we need to conform to his values. But in order to conform to his values, you have to be immersed into his values. We need to download different data. We've been receiving lots of things that are anti-God values, and so we need to begin to replace those things with different values because, because we're not naturally bent towards God's values, we need transformation. That's why he begins with, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world because that's what you're formed to, but rather you need to be transformed, changed, made different, and that will only happen by the renewing of your mind. That will only happen if you download different information to replace the values you've been living by previously. So it requires being immersed in the word of God, which is why we teach the word of God, not our personal opinions. We let the word of God be the value system. That's why Wednesday night when we talk about how to love those who we cannot affirm their lifestyle, but yet the word of God says we still love them. Without the word of God, we might just simply shoot at them. That's the need, is that we need to let the word of God guide all of our actions to form what is moral and what is immoral, and what is amoral, that it has no moral tag whatsoever. And we let the word of God shape those things and to shape our actions. So we download different information that's from the word of God. And thirdly, he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can test that which is happening around us. Because sometimes the enemy, Satan himself, will masquerade looking like an angel of light. And it will look fine. But we know that it's like a wolf prowling around in sheep's clothing. So that's why we're called to filter and to test plans before we enact them. Do they align with the word of God? Do they pass the spirit test? Sometimes we're gonna say, you know what? It's neither moral or immoral. It's just amoral. And by doing it, it is not gonna bring glory to man. It's, it's just a good decision. It's building a sandwich. Or it's buying a home and it's like, but I can do this buying of the home and still be able to tithe and still be able to honor God with money. And, and so there's a lot of things that still come into play, but when we test and filter plans before we enact them, then it's gonna put us on the page with God. Now, when plans don't succeed, how do you handle it? Because obviously they don't always succeed. Well, first of all, you test your plans to see if they were in alignment with God's values. Test your plans. That's the Holy Spirit gives us the ability. So if you've experienced something, it's now in your rearview mirror, look back. Did I make mistakes? Was I trying to glorify the wrong person? Was it just about my own benefit? 
Or was it just a case where it's, no, it was just a bad plan. It didn't go well. So do better. Secondly, if it didn't go well, what might God be doing that will make it better? And I will tell you on the night that my engagement broke off, I did not see a path where things could be better, that God could make something better. I was in the, in the throes of it. And the next day, I've got to go to Hershey and be interviewed for their position. And here's the challenge. What I didn't know was that they had had a special elder meeting to decide were they willing to hire somebody who was not yet married. And they came to the decision, well, he's getting married, so we'll be fine with it. My interview happens, we go through it, it goes very well, and you could just tell there's a bond forming right there. The very last question was asked, so tell us about your fiance. And I had to look at them and say, well, last night our engagement broke off. And then this is where Proverbs 19.21 gets introduced to me for the first time. A godly man who was an elder at Hershey Free Church, who later, a few years later, became an elder at LEFC. His name is Dick Canfield. He stopped the meeting at that moment and he says, this must be very hard for you to be able to do this interview right now in light of what's happening in your life. And I said, honestly, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done. He goes, we need to stop this meeting and pray right now. And he led the most beautiful prayer and included Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. When that meeting was done, everybody in the room was crying and tearful except for me. Imagine that. <laughs> the night before, I'd cried myself out. But on this moment, at that point in time with Dick Canfield, quoting this scripture, hearing his prayer, God healed my heart. And I realized I can't tell you right now what the plans are going to be. I just know I can trust in the God who's in control. I can trust that it will be better in the end and that it will succeed. And so I received that in that moment. And they went and had another elder meeting. And Dick Canfield said, you know, his engagement broke off, but I believe that scripture says that does not disqualify a person. And he prophetically said, he says, and he'll probably get married very soon anyway. <laughs> Which I met my wife six months later. God has a unique way of making things happen. But I can look at this and say, you know what? Results do not always reflect what God is doing and what is not. We can't discern in the moment. I could have said, I must have alienated God, and that would have been wrong. He was actually doing something better. I just couldn't see it yet. Think about Joseph's life. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 says, what you had chosen for evil and done for evil, God brought about to a greater good. And Joseph said that to his brothers who had conspired against him, who had tried to kill him, couldn't kill him, and then said that he, to their father that he was killed by a wild animal and then sold him into slavery. They defiled their brother, they defiled each other, and they defiled their father. Yet, 
God was doing something amazing in the middle of all this. What they did was sinful, it was evil, and they paid the consequence for it. But it did not thwart what God was doing. You see, he was sovereign, he was in control, he had a plan, and he was gonna make Joseph the leader of the nation of Egypt, and it was going to save Israel and give them an opportunity to grow for 400 years under the umbrella and protection of Egypt. All part of God's plan. But in the moment, Joseph only knew failure. He kept doing things the right way, only to think for things to get more difficult. But God was in control. His plans are certain. And he was going to make things better. You see, we have to find peace. And this is the final thought. We have to find peace that in all things, God's plans will succeed. And sometimes our failed plans operate right within his plan. Let's pray. Father God, I acknowledge that there are many plans in my heart that have succeeded, may have served some greater purpose yet to be unknown, yet to be known. There's many plans that I've failed, more plans that I can count that have failed. There are people here that wonder what you're doing because we can't see. We've prayed certain things only to see them not answered the way we had hoped. Can we trust you? Can we trust your plan is better? Can we trust that your ways will happen? So God, would you work in the heart of everybody here and to reveal maybe the areas where they need to trust you a little bit more and maybe create better alignment with your heart. So speak to us during this song. Know us how we are to respond, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if God's ways are better, if his ways are certain and his ways are better, then let's commit ourselves to God's way. Would you stand and join us as we sing? Yo! Yeah.
it's beautiful how the Lord works. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, and I, and I think this is so crucial for us as we try to interpret what's happening in the now. It says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we know that in all things, good plans, bad plans, in between plans, God is at work for the good of his people. His ways are good, he is in control, and they will happen for certain. If you do not have a relationship with God where you can feel confident in these things, or you just need to work out something that's been very difficult right now that you're trying to navigate and trying to understand how do I interpret what's going on around me in this situation with planning, or maybe you have some big plans you are making currently. Well, we have people that will be in the encounter room that would be glad to pray with you and talk with you. That's to my left on this side as you go out the door. Just know that regardless of the plans that you make, there's no certainty to the outcomes. But if you're in relationship with God, there is certainty in the one who does. Have certainty with his action plan. So as much as we can, we discern his will and we operate there because then it will happen. Amen? Go in the blessings of God, knowing that he is indeed a good God and in control. You're dismissed. <laughs>